It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Hoops heads, welcome to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Thursday, April 12th. I'm your host, Aliko Carter. Well, after 82 games, it's going to be the San Antonio Spurs facing the Warriors in the first round of the playoffs, most likely without Kawhi Leonard. But they still have LaMarcus Aldridge and are going to be, and they execute you to death, they're going to be a very tough matchup for the Warriors without Stephen Curry in the first round but at the end of the day the Warriors might have dodged a bullet a depleted Spurs versus a surging Minnesota team or a surging New Orleans team or the Oklahoma City Thunder I think the Warriors definitely dodged a bullet there even the Utah Jazz would have represented a more tough out than the Spurs and the Warriors are definitely getting off a little bit easy here which is nice you know I I, I think that after all of the injuries it kind of worked out well for the Warriors karma coming back to give them something that you know to give them a little present now I'm not taking anything away from the Spurs I'm really not but they've kind of limped into the playoffs playing mostly 500 basketball and obviously LaMarcus Aldridge is a big handful but just up and down the roster the Warriors are more talented they'll have home court it shouldn't be more than a six game series I'm saying dubs in five but we will be talking to Jeff Garcia of Locked On Spurs we're gonna have that conversation tonight for tomorrow's podcast, the Spurs and Warriors, of course, set to meet on Saturday at noon Pacific, kicking off the NBA playoffs in style at Oracle Arena. Got a good show for you today. We're going to talk about the Spurs in the first segment. In the second segment, we're going to take a look at Clay Thompson's season. And in the third segment, we're going to continue our season synopsis of the Warriors. I want to get into some things that Steve Kerr did and just hop from subject to subject as I've been doing the last few days. I appreciate all my listeners, especially new listeners. You can grab this podcast at iOS, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as LockedOnWarriors.com and LockedOnSports.com. Make sure you bookmark those pages. We're also available on Facebook at LockedOnDubs and LockedOnNBANet for all of your NBA needs. The LockedOnNBA podcast is a bite-sized chunk of NBA goodness every single day for you. Make sure you check it out in addition to Locked On Warriors. My name's Aliko Carter. I write at the intersection of sports, business, and community impacts for Forbes.com. I've also written about the dubs for Bleacher Report. I've got a number of interesting stories in the works, so I'll keep you posted on all that. But let's get to this Warriors-Spurs matchup. And I'm going to talk a ton about the Warriors and the Spurs 
for tomorrow's podcast with Jeff Garcia, but I did just want to prime us for what a Warriors-Spurs first-round playoff matchup is going to look like. The Warriors played the Spurs three times this season, winning the season series 2-1, to one, but the last game that they played was on March 19th, and the Warriors shat the bed on that one. They really did. 75-89 to 89 loss, and we're going to take a look at that game first. The Warriors started Nick Young, Quinn Cook, Andre Iguodala, Zaza Pachulia, and Draymond Green very depleted. They didn't have Kevin Durant, Klay Thompson, or Stephen Curry. And Draymond Green only played 11 minutes and 59 seconds before being ejected. So the Warriors had to rely on the B team, the C team, and honestly... Uh, Well, Quinn Cook had a great game, played nearly 38 minutes, had 20 points, uh, but was only 2 of 8 from 3. The Warriors as a whole, 3 of 19 from 3. Just awful. Nick Young, 0 of 5. And when the Warriors only make 3 three-pointers, they're not going to win the game. This really exposed the Warriors' lack of shooting down the roster, really reliant on Kevin Durant, Stephen Curry, and Klay Thompson to pour in the three-pointers and keep the Warriors afloat. Quinn Cook did put up eight, but he was only two of eight. Andre can't be counted on for that. Draymond Green can't be counted on for that every game. Patrick McCaw needs time to get his shot up and won't be playing in the first round anyway, but he did play 25 minutes in this game, was one of seven from the field, only three points. Kevon Looney had a good game. The only Warriors player besides JaVale McGee, they were both a plus nine. Kavon in 22 minutes, JaVale in 12 minutes. And Kavon had six of seven. Like, he's going to get some playing time. He's going to be able to go up against uh, LaMarcus Aldridge and be able to move with him, be able to defend with him. He doesn't foul. And that's a beautiful thing about Kavon Looney. Kavon Looney doesn't get into foul trouble. But he had 12 points in this game, eight total rebounds, really great game from him in 22 minutes, three steals and a block. So uh, I think that Kavan is going to be one of the first bigs off the bench, spelling Draymond versus LaMarcus Aldridge. We're obviously going to see a lot of David West as well. Both of those guys can move with guys like Pau Gasol. Kyle Anderson gets a lot of minutes. He gets a lot of minutes at the four with LaMarcus Aldridge playing the five. And Kyle Anderson, he's a slow-mo guy, but he can move. And so Kavon is going to have his hands full playing against the likes of uh, Kyle Anderson, uh, Davis Bertans, who can bring it out to the three, as well as Joffrey Laverne, who does a lot of good things. He's a very good screen setter and a good offensive rebounder. And we'll see what the Spurs rotation looks like. Is it going to be shortened? Is Joffrey Laverne even going to get minutes? Brandon Paul not getting a lot of minutes late in the season for the Spurs, but did earlier in the season. Uh, Manu Ginobili is going to be a handful. He's been playing extremely well off the bench. Tony Parker, not so much, but he's been being rested, I think, for the playoff push. Going back in time a little bit more, the Warriors played the Spurs back on March 8th, winning 110-107. to And in that game, The Warriors started their normal starting lineup minus Zaza plus JaVale McGee. JaVale getting the start during a big part of the season here and seeing what JaVale could do. He was 5 of 8 in 17 minutes, had 13 points. It was a plus 4 to boot. 7 total rebounds. But Draymond Green had the game 
uh, uh, of triple-double. The Warriors don't lose when Draymond has a triple-double. He had 11, 12, and 10. And that's the kind of game we're going to have to have from Draymond every single night against LaMarcus Aldridge. He's going to have to battle for boards, and Kevin Durant as well, 11 rebounds in this game, 37 big points on 14 of 26, shooting 4 of 7 from 3. But it's the 11 rebounds that I'm really looking at. The Warriors have to rebound as a committee. Sean Livingston with seven rebounds in this game. Zaza Pachulia played 10 minutes, grabbed four boards. The Warriors out-rebounded the Spurs 49-45. to And rebounds are going to be huge for the Warriors, particularly because the Spurs are going to assist the ball at a similar rate as the Warriors do. 29 assists in this game for the Spurs, 30 for the Warriors. And the Spurs have shown that they can run with the Warriors, even though they play at a slower pace. They can run with the Warriors. 12 turnovers for the Spurs in this game, and 10 for the Dubs. If they can hold on to the ball, take care of it, you know, this was the game that Stephen Curry was knocked out by JaVale McGee. He only played two minutes and 23 seconds in this game. But the rest of the Warriors came to play, and they did everything well. JaVale had four turnovers. Kevin Durant had four turnovers. That's not great. And Draymond was one of seven from three. Also not great. But everything else the Warriors did, they did well. And that's the kind of game the Warriors are going to have to have against the Spurs because these games are going to be close, very much unlike the first game of the season that the Warriors played against the Spurs on November 2nd. They won 112-92. to It was a much different time. It was the beginning of the season. The Warriors were healthy. The Spurs were not. Still didn't have Kawhi Leonard starting LaMarcus Aldridge, Danny Green, Patty Mills, Kyle Anderson, and Pau Gasol. And the Warriors were just too much. 20 points apiece from Durant, Curry, and Thompson. 16 points from Draymond Green. And 9 from Patrick McCaw to boot. The Warriors were just too good. They made 14 of their 28 three-pointers and went 43 of 83 from the field. That's 52%. They held the Spurs to 39% shooting and 7 of 24 from 3. That's 29%. And this was a different part of the season. This was when the Warriors, you know, they lost that first game against the Houston Rockets. They were 1-2 and two in their first three games. And then they just kind of went on a tear and they were playing Warriors basketball. And then the injuries started. But this game had the offense, it had the defense, and it had the blowout. And the Warriors didn't have nearly as many of those this season. But would be nice to see a game like this from the Dubs against the Spurs in the first round. Held the Spurs to 19 assists for 16 turnovers. And the Warriors only had 14 turnovers and 30 assists in this game. 11 steals, 12 blocks. They were just firing on all cylinders. Both sides of the ball. And that's what I'd like to see. That's what I wanted to see before the end of the season was the Warriors firing on all cylinders. But it looks like we'll have to wait until the playoffs start before we see the Warriors team that we have come to know and love, which plays a top five defense and has the best offense in the NBA. You're listening to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Stay tuned for a synopsis of Klay Thompson's 2017-2018 season. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, 
helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And we're back and we're talking Clay Thompson, and I've said this in the past, he has had a weird season because he shot better than he's ever shot before, but he only averaged 20 points a game. Only. And he had to force to chuck in the last game of the season to get to that 20 points a game average. 16.1 player efficiency rating, which is just above average, not very good. Uh, But he shot 48.8% from the field, 44% from three. Only 83.7% from the line this year uh, because he missed a lot. He didn't shoot that many, but he missed a lot late in the season. So didn't quite come near that 50, 40, 90 he was looking for and fell just short of the 45% three-point shooting he was looking for. But he'll have a chance to go for that again in the playoffs and next season. 73 games this year for Clay in 34 and a half minutes. He shot 16 times, which is his lowest number since 2013-2014. But he had his highest shooting numbers ever. So the question is, why did he shoot one and a half fewer times this season than last season? Did he take a back seat to Kevin Durant and Stephen Curry? And if so, why? I think there were opportunities for Clay without KD and Steph on the floor early in the second and fourth quarters of games when he was playing with Andre and Sean Livingston, David West, and Draymond Green in that defensively just insane lineup. That should have been Clay's bread and butter on the offensive end, but we're going to take a look at what that lineup did offensively. So this lineup played in 21 games, 17 wins and four losses. They only shot 33% from the three-point line, though 52% from the field. I wish I could dig into individual stats via NBA.com second spectrum advanced stats on these lineups, but I can only look at the five-man lineups and what they did. So the question is, did Klay Thompson shoot poorly in this lineup, or did he just not shoot? And based on the eye test, I think there were just times where they didn't do a good job of springing Clay open for those bread and butter three-point shots coming around screens and the little, you know, kind of moves that he has where he'll pump fake, move over, take the three. That just didn't happen in this lineup. There was a lot of Draymond Green controlling the offense, a lot of David West, which is always a good thing. I would say not enough Sean Livingston. I would love to see Sean Livingston take more shots in the playoffs. He has the ability to shoot over smaller players and, you know, clear out and and play that kind of playoff basketball with the clear outs and and the one-on-one play. But in this lineup, which I guarantee we'll be seeing a good amount of in the playoffs because it's such a good defensive lineup, they have to find a way to get Clay Thompson to be the fulcrum on the offense and to get that three-point percentage up from 33 closer to 40%. Because he's just been so money this year, I just don't think that increasing his volume is going to hurt his defensive numbers. Obviously, the defenses are going to key in on Clay and Kevin Durant. Without Stephen Curry, the Spurs defense is going to, I think, dare Quinn Cook to beat them rather than daring Kevin Durant 
and Klay Thompson to beat them. And Klay Thompson is going to have to take that challenge. He's going to have to put up shots. And, you know, he put up 27 shots in the last game against the, the, the Jazz. And I wouldn't mind seeing him put up 27 shots in a few of these games. They're going to need Klay Thompson's offense, and especially in that green Iguodala livingston thompson West lineup. There were only two lineups that played in more games than the defense first lineup that I was just talking about, and they both involve Klay Thompson as well as Stephen, De- Stephen Curry and Kevin Durant. The starting lineup with Zaza and the death lineup with Andre Iguodala. 36 games and 28 games respectively shows the amount of injuries that the Warriors had to deal with. They only started their regular starting lineup 36 times and only played the death lineup in 28 games. But the starting lineup, 44.2%, three-point shooting in the death lineup, 39.8%. Surprising that the death lineup is a lower uh, three-point shooting percentage, but Zaza just sets those crushing, crushing screens. And so it does make sense from that standpoint that players would be able to spring open for three-point shots a little bit more easily with Zaza in the lineup. But Klay Thompson will have to find his shot because those lineups are going to be Quinn Cook instead of Stephen Curry. So Kevin Durant's going to take the most shots, obviously. Klay Thompson is going to have to take the second most shots for the Warriors to be successful in the first round of the playoffs. If he takes the third most shots or the fourth most shots, the Warriors don't have as much of a chance. We've seen it in the playoffs before. Klay Thompson is a nuclear bomb waiting to go off. I just hope that the coaches empower him to be able to do that in the playoffs this year. But how was he defensively? An individual net rating of 9.7, which is very good, buoyed by a defensive rating of 103.7, which is not his high watermark. 103.7 is much lower than his high watermark of 97.7 in 2014, 2015 title year. 2015-2016, he was a 99.7 finals year. And 2016-2017, he was a 100.9. And net ratings-wise, he was nearly... 15 or above 15 in all three of those seasons. So a down year for Clay defensively and it's hurt his net rating. Obviously, you have to take defensive ratings, individual defensive ratings, individual net ratings with a grain of salt. He's playing with lineups. And so it was a down year across the board for the Warriors defensively. We'll definitely get into that in the third segment. Stay tuned for a continued synopsis of the Warriors season, including the job that Steve Kerr did this year. You're listening to Locked On Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Greetings, Hoops Heads. It's that time. It's time to talk about sponsoring the Locked On Warriors podcast. If your company is looking for a connected audience in the 18 to 49 demographic you need, look no further than the Locked On Warriors podcast. Podcasts are where smart advertisers are going to get their products out to the people and Locked On Warriors is no different. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network and we have all the tools to get your products out to the people, including very reasonable rates. I can give you all the details. Hit me up with a direct message on Twitter at Kojitare, K-O-G-I-T-A-R-E, or via email at alikocarter 11 at gmail.com, and I'll give you all the details. You got nothing to lose, so get at me. This is Jake from Locked On. 
Locked On has teamed up with State Farm to spotlight some of the greatest supporting players in NBA history. After beating the Heat led by LeBron James and Dwayne Wade in 2011, Dirk Nowitzki won an NBA title and proved himself to be one of the greatest basketball players of all time. But there was one player in the starting lineup for the last three games of the finals that helped support Dirk all the way to a championship, J.J. Barea. Led by J.J. and Jason Terry, the Mavs' second unit proved to be the strength throughout the playoffs, where they led the NBA in bench scoring. But for games 4, 5, and 6 in the NBA Finals, Mavs coach Rick Carlisle inserted Barea into the starting five to help the Mavs space the floor and put more playmaking around Dirk. J.J. Barea had a knack for running the pick-and-roll with Dirk that helped the Mavs score more efficiently on their run to a title. Dirk Nowitzki couldn't score the way he did if he didn't have much-needed support from someone like J.J. Barea. Sometimes, you and I need that kind of support, too. Think of State Farm like a pivotal team player. When you need help protecting the things that matter most, remember the jingle and just say, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. And we're back, and we're doing a continued synopsis of the Warriors season. We're going to start with coaching. We're going to get to the defense, and hopefully we'll go other places as well. But this podcast is getting a little long, so can't stay too long here. But I do want to mention Steve Kerr. Uh, continuing the tradition of allowing the players to have time off when they need it. Stephen Curry, of course, being allowed to go to the Super Bowl this year. And then, of course, the entire coaching staff taking part in Curry's 30th birthday surprise celebration on a yacht in the San Francisco Bay. They like to have fun. And they know that fun is the most important thing when playing basketball, if you're not having fun, then the game starts to become a chore. Not every team is like that. Not every team needs fun to be the fulcrum of everything that they're doing, but the Warriors thrive on this exuberance. Uh, and it's what drives their runs, is what drove their third quarters this year. I do want to talk about third quarters at some point as well. And it's a huge part of their identity. Just like execution is a huge part of the Spurs' identity, fun is a huge part of the Warriors' identity. It's what draws fans in every single city, and it's what allows them to thrive on basketball. They get high on basketball. They get high on those crazy runs where Steph does something insane or KD, and the fans fuel it. The fans at home, the fans on the road, and if Steve Kerr was more of a serious type of coach. I don't think that the team would be as successful. Now, 58 wins, you know, are we going to talk about this team, 58 wins as a disappointment when the starting lineup only played in 36 games, the starting lineup including Zaza, and if you add the starting lineup with JaVale McGee, you're talking about maybe another five to eight games. So we'll say 40 to 45 games for the starting core four of Steph Curry, Draymond Green, Klay Thompson, and Kevin Durant. And, you know, this team has a ton of talent, and that's why it's tough to not call this a disappointing season. But when you look at the injuries that Steve Kerr has had to deal with, the lineup wizardry, especially early in the season when he was still trying to figure out what the Warriors had. Like, is Patrick McCaw going to be a part of the, th of, of the whole thing? How good exactly is Jordan Bell? And where does Kavon Looney fit in? It took a while for Kavon to come on, but it was partly the coaching that allowed all of the big men specifically to thrive. And I give Steve Kerr credit for that, credit for getting 58 wins out of a very depleted roster 
It's too bad he couldn't coach Caspi into taking more three-pointers, but Caspi played well for the Warriors too, and, and we'll wish him well. But what he brought defensively and what he brought as far as cutting, getting to the basket, was exactly what the Warriors needed at certain times, and especially rebounding the ball as well. He's very good at rebounding for his size, a very solid 6'8", can play the three or the four, and the Warriors found uses for him. Steve Kerr found uses for him. And everybody got to play. You know, when you have a team, like a Dan Tony team, and he just shortens the rotation, you see a guy like Joe Johnson isn't even playing on the Houston Rockets right now. But on the Warriors, Joe Johnson would be getting minutes. And I think that Steve Kerr deserves credit for finding minutes for everybody because that helps morale. Morale is huge. But let's move on to defense. The Warriors had a down year defensively. According to NBA.com, they ranked ninth in defensive efficiency at 104.2. It's the worst in years. Nobody broke 100. The Boston Celtics have the best defense by a hair at 101.5 with the Utah Jazz coming in at 101.6. Philly, really good defensive team, followed by the Spurs, Toronto Raptors, Rockets, who... I mean, the Rockets were ranked higher than the Warriors defensively, and that's um, something that the Warriors are going to have to work on next year, followed by the Heat, the Blazers, the Warriors, and the Oklahoma City Thunder in the top 10. The Warriors in the top 10 in both offensive rating and defensive rating for what seems like the umpteenth straight year, probably fifth going back to the first year they made the playoffs back in 2012 2013 they lead the league in offensive rating by a hair over the houston rockets 112.3 to 112.2 so they do officially have the best offense in the league but the defense has not been the same this year and do we attribute that to injuries as well i don't think that the defense was very good when the warriors were healthy the the, the issue is that they can turn it on and so they're like oh we can just turn it on we'll turn it on in the playoffs you got to practice yourself out of those bad habits before the playoffs start that's the hope but they're going to have to practice themselves out of the bad habits during the playoffs bad habits like not getting back on transition defense after a turnover bad habits like not controlling the ball once a block is made trying to get control of the ball instead of allowing it to be an offensive rebound rebounding specifically they're 17th in the league in rebounding got to keep other teams, particularly the Spurs, off the offensive boards. Got to stay in front of people. Make sure rotations are crisp. Everything. Everything has to be better than it was this season. And are we going to see a different Warriors team at noon Pacific on Saturday than we've been seeing throughout the season? That's the question. We hope the answer is yes. That's about as much time as I have today to speak about this Warriors team Tune in tomorrow. It's going to be a joint preview between Locked On Spurs and Locked On Dubs. Stay thoughtful, hoops heads. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.